I record right away because this is not like a podcast with a big intro or anything. Oh, oh, uh-huh. It just goes a little bit of music and then right into the conversation in progress. My goal okay. is that it sounds like a really cool conversation you hear in a coffee shop that you just want to lean in and listen yeah, to. That's what I do on my podcast. It's a lot easier to do, too, by the way. Yeah, if you have the right kind of personality. I find that some people, like, I go on these on these posts and I go, well, I don't know what to ask. And I'm like, to me, it's like, it's just natural. I just ask what I'm interested in asking. That's know? exactly right, because I know you're all about storytelling and books and things like that. You can't go into a situation with a set agenda and not expect to flex, especially if you want to do a podcast that is actually interesting to listen to. Right, so. exactly. Yeah. I'm always surprised when I go on these podcasts and they're like, they have the same questions for everybody. And some of them are just like silly or it's, like, yeah, it's, it's almost like the, the, what is it? The Proust questionnaire, you know, that James Lipton always did at the end of the uh-huh. show yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Oh, come on, dude. Come up with some new material. That's all I'm saying. Proust was okay for that, but come up with some new stuff. Yeah. Before we get studio. started, do you have any yeah. questions? My name is Violette. Violette. That's what, how I was going to pronounce it. People yeah. get my name wrong. Yeah, Violette. No. The only thing I wanted to know was, is it Violette or Violette? I've just been binge watching Call My Agent on Netflix. But it's a French comedy called A 10% because it's about talent agents and uh -huh. they always take 10%. And I just love listening to the, the language, especially when it, it's conversational. It's, it's not conversational. It's sensational conversational French. All the drama and all, the, all that. Stuff. I love French. It's, yeah, I used to speak it almost fluently, but then I haven't used it for, what, 50 years. <laughs> yeah, believe me. So how long have you been doing this? This, it's funny you ask. Yeah. Because... Last week was episode 156. This week oh. is 157. And that means 156 divided by 52 is three, three full years. So I'm just starting. You're, you're like the second episode of year four, or mm. you'll probably be more like episode five or six of year four of the nonfiction brand podcast, which mm. I never thought I would keep doing. I hear you. It's a commitment. I've been doing it for two years. Exactly. It is a commitment. And it's not unlike a commitment that someone might make when deciding to write a book. And I'm going to be talking to you all about what Books Open Doors is all about and okay. what you do and how you do it. But my podcast is mostly interested not in Ellen. Right. It's the book. story. It's your story. It's your yeah. brand. It's the truth of who you are, what you do and how you do it. Mm -hmm. And I want to start out by asking you a question. I don't even know where I saw it, but I saw someplace that you started out your business focusing on ebooks, or I think it was even yeah. mm -hmm. titled something ebook, e right? Yep, the ebook coach. Right, the ebook coach. Mm -hmm. You made a conscious decision to change off that, what I would call brand position, to a much broader one in the form of a company and service called Books Open Doors. Mm -hmm. Why did you do that when I'm sure you had a certain amount of notoriety as the ebook coach? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you. The reason I did that was twofold. One was that I found when I first started, people were seeing ebooks and books as being different. Like ebooks were sort of like the poor cousin of books. And over time, it changed. And so it just became we're just doing a book and we're doing it in different formats. And so that was part of the problem that I had. And when people 
look up keywords like book and ebook, they're three times more for book than ebook. And so those two things made me come to that decision. And something else too, also in rebranding, my clientele changed. Because when I first started, I didn't know who my clients were. I just worked with whoever wanted to work with me. And by doing that, I found out who I liked working with, who I didn't like working with. But I also found out that there are certain groups of people that aren't willing to spend money for what they want. And then there are other groups of people who just don't have the money and just don't have the mindset to get the money. So I had to look at all of those things and say, okay, where am I going with this? And those were the things that helped me make that decision that I had to change. You have just proven what my career has taught me over and over again. Hmm. And that is, it's always better to be premium than commodity. And I'm putting my words into your story a little bit. But mm-hmm. I will say that you alluded to the fact that ebooks were the redheaded stepchild of the publishing industry yeah. or the consumption of words industry. Right. And I agree with you 100% because to me, an ebook is something I download on my iPad, I forget is there. And then when I finally see it, I go, I'm no longer interested in that. Whereas mm-hmm. a book is something that I engage with physically and I enter into the pages and the way the pages feel on my hand and the sun over my shoulder reflecting off the text and all that stuff. It engages all the senses, not just retinal pixels in my retinas. And so consequently, I love books. I hate ebooks or I I have a distaste for ebooks. Yeah, I know exactly how you feel. I'm I'm laying in bed and I, there are books that I've downloaded when they were free or 99 cents or whatever. And I have them and I'll read on my e-reader, but I much prefer a physical book. And every once in a while, someone will say, do a post and say something like, what's something you have too much of? And the only thing I have too much of are books. I've got tons of books. I don't even have enough bookshelves for them all. Yeah. Yeah. And then my husband will say, get rid of some of them. I can't. Exactly. Because you have an emotional attachment to them. Yeah. Which babies am I going to get rid of? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How can you get rid of one of your children? Yeah, But the other thing is the physical aspect of having a book for me is so important because of its not, I'm looking for the word ephemeralness. Mm-hmm. A book is not ephemeral. It doesn't, the second Dis- my, what, disappear in thin air. Yeah, it, right. It, it doesn't disappear in thin air when I, my phone loses its charge or my iPad right. loses its charge. It's always there. And it's a reminder right now next to my bed. I have a stack of books that continually remind me I'm not reading enough, (laughs) but that's how I'm going to actually eventually get to reading those books. It's a constant reminder in terms of what this podcast is about, building your personal brand and letting people know who you are, what you do and how you do it. Mm -hmm. You have to package yourself. And there are few better ways to package yourself and your ideas and your expertise and your experience than in a book. And that's why I'm so excited to have Ellen Violette on this podcast, because her whole business, Books Open Doors, is about helping people do what I've done for myself, because I'm a DIY guy all the way. Mm -hmm. And that is self-published books that are completely true to who you are, what you do. And how you do it so that you can have this physical doorstop that ideally is sitting on someone's desk as a constant reminder of exactly who you are and ideally why they should be interested in engaging with you in one form or another. Mm -hmm. I, I see you nodding your head. Is that kind of what you're all about? 
Yeah, I read a book not that long ago called The One Thing, and it was written by Gary Keller. And Gary Keller is the head of, or was, I don't know if he still is, of Keller Williams Realty. And it's one of the biggest in the business. And his whole concept is what's the one thing that you should do right now to move your business forward. And they were at a place where they weren't getting the approval of their peers. They were seen as lesser than. And he went to his team and he said, what's the one thing we can do? Let's come up with a hundred ideas. So they came up with a hundred ideas and he said, okay, great. Let's now get it down to 10. And they got it down to 10. And then he said, what's the one thing that will move the business forward and make everything else not that we don't have, we don't have to do anything else. And they said, write a book. And he wrote a book and that was it. Everything changed for him. And it became a series and it made him millions of dollars. Now, I'm not saying that every book that everybody writes is going to do that, but it has the potential to do that. And then it's, it's what you do with it. It's how you market it and all that. But, but a book is really so powerful. And the problem is that people either don't, sometimes don't realize the power of a book or they're afraid of it. And for me, I'm lucky because I always wanted to write a book. I don't even know why it's in my DNA. My mom was the, the editor of her school newspaper. My grandfather was a newspaper guy. My grandmother was an English teacher. And I started writing you know, poetry and journals when I was like 11. So it was always in the back of my mind that someday I'm going to write a book. One of the things about writing a book is that I, like a lot of people, I didn't know what am I going to write about? I don't know. And my life took different directions. I ended up getting in the music business, actually, which I was in for 20 years, and I'm a Grammy-nominated songwriter. And so it went off in a totally different direction. But I ended up building a world-class studio in the house that I grew up in, but then my parents both passed away within 11 months of each other, and I had to sell the house. And with the house, went everything, all my equipment, all my, the room, everything was gone. And then it was a search for, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I went through a series of things that I won't go into now, but what ended up happening is that I got very sick. And I almost died. I lost 30 pounds in a month. I was just fading away and they couldn't figure out what was wrong with me. And Western medicine didn't have an answer. And my husband got online and found this doctor and she described what I was going through to a T and it turned out it was called environmental illness. And it's when you just have too much toxicity and everything is making you sick. So food was making me sick, chemicals, perfumes, everything. And so I wanted to work with her, but she wasn't seeing clients anymore. She wasn't seeing patients, but she'd written a book and that book was called Detox or Die. And we followed the protocol in the book and it saved my life. So that did two things. One, the power of a book, a book could literally save your life. And secondly, it was a wake up call. Like so many people, I was like, well, someday I'll write a book. I almost didn't get a someday. And there are a lot of people who go through that where they go, oh, someday I'm going to write a book. And all of a sudden they're like, oh crap, I didn't write a book. Or I've even heard stories where they're working with a book coach and they'll say, if I don't make it, if I die before this is done, please make sure it gets out. Yeah. And one of the things about a book is it's an instant credibility builder. So oh, absolutely. I guarantee, and I, I don't know, but I'm guessing that your feelings about this doctor were heightened, were enhanced by the fact that she had a book that brought to you her assembled wisdom, experience, et cetera. Having the book is a key, I don't know, it's just a, an endorsement for the quality of the person, their thinking, their experience, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. But in my case, I was so desperate and there was, there really was no other option. Yeah. And I didn't look at it and go, oh, I'm not going to go with her if she didn't have a book. I was going to go to her based on her protocol because she knew what was wrong with me, whether she'd had a book or not. But as it turned out, 
Thank God she had the books. Yeah. And, and because she had the books, you could create an experience with right. her and she right. didn't even have to be in the room with you. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's the power of, exactly. of having a book and yeah. it's a level up. It's an unlock for anybody. Anybody can have an Instagram and Facebook and all that stuff. You look at the number of books that are created in the world versus the population of the world. And yeah, it's very small. It's very small. Do you have any idea of how many people? Yeah, it's one to 2%. I've always said 1%. I'm glad to hear it close to verified by someone who actually did the math and figured it out. But it's true. I'm one of those people who likes when they hear something like only 1%, 2% of the population have done something. I like to be one of the people who've done it. Doesn't mean I'm going to do it the rest of my life, but I do the fact that I got off my butt and I did the work to figure out what do I want to write about? In, in my case, it was easy because without, and I'm just meeting Ellen for the very first time. So she doesn't know much about me. I don't know much about her, which is why this conversation is going to be so interesting. But I've been in advertising and marketing for close to 30 years. Mm-hmm. And I remember probably at my third professional job, somebody said to me, you're a really good writer. You should write a book. She said, you write like you could write books. And I'm like, that's interesting because I'm a copywriter. I like short stuff. I'm like a clever sprinter, not a deep marathoner when it comes to words. But that always stuck in my head. Like I could write books. I could write books. Then fast forward 10 years later, someone else said to me after I was pontificating, as is my want, she said, you know what? This is good stuff. You should write a book. And I'm like, really? I should write a book? Yeah, a lot of people get to it that way, where people say you should write a book. And why do people say you should write a book? I think it's because they say you, I have learned a lot from you. You have Mm -hmm. a lot of great stuff to say. You're saying stuff I've heard before, but you're saying it in a way that's finally connecting with me. Right. And what they're really saying is, can you memorialize your voice on paper? Can you take all those ideas that just come flying out of your head and get them someplace where I can constantly go back to it, highlight it? share it, pass it off to a friend. A book is a fantastic way to do that. Yeah. And you made a really good point, which is you said something about how they heard it when you said it. And I never used to really get that, but I had a mentor for many years where he had a program that it was lifetime. So you could go in and out whenever you wanted to. And I would stay in for a while and then I would go on to other things and come back. And I had worked with him And I had heard him say certain things for years and I really didn't get it until I did some coaching with somebody else and the way they said it connected with me in a way that the way the first person said it just didn't. So it was like in the first one, it was academic and the second one, I really got it on an emotional level. So yeah, you have to find that person who connects with you. This episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast is brought to you by my new book, Nonfiction Brand. Discover, craft, and communicate the completely true, completely you brand you already are, now available on Amazon.com. Jay Baer, best-selling author of Talk Triggers, said, The book is outstanding. Highly recommended. A spectacularly useful guide to personal branding that pulls off the difficult trick of being both realistic and inspirational. A must-read, regardless of where you are in your own brand-building journey. To get your copy, head on over to Amazon.com and search Nonfiction Brand. And let's get you all the credit you deserve for the completely true, completely you brand you already are. Let me give you an example of what I think Ellen is talking about. 
Bob Berg is a business consultant. He's well known by many people. He's brilliant. One of the thought leaders of blah, 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 blah. I will give you three words that will resonate with a whole lot of people that he formulated that is now said by everybody on podcasts over and over again. You've got to get people to know, like, and trust you. Now, another person that I like to quote a lot is Pat Flynn, whose Smart Passive Income podcast is a favorite of mine. He, I, I don't know that he coined this, but he's the first person I heard it from. He said, there's riches in the niches. And oh, I'm yeah. like, totally get that. I totally get that at a kind of a grok level. If you're a Heinlein fan, you know what I'm saying? When you grok something, it's when you know it down in your DNA. I grok that there are riches in the niches. And you have done something interesting, which is you went super niche into ebooks and then you pulled back to broaden just a little bit to Mm -hmm. books. And we talked about why you did that. I want to tell you now why I think it was smart you did. Hmm, Okay. An ebook is a subset of a first level principle, which is a book, written words on paper. Books have not been replaced by radio, have not been replaced by TV, have not been replaced by film, have not been replaced by holograms. Books will be with us forever. If you are a, if your niche is books, mm-hmm. you will have a career. If your niche is TikTok, mm, yeah, yeah that Maybe. can go away anytime. And, and, and that's the truth. So what is your first level principle? In your case, books. So smart. And by not going to the bargain bin basement of ebooks, you now make yourself more valuable. I want to go back to something you said earlier, which was mm-hmm. getting people to pay for it. If an ebook is available to you for 99 cents, which the majority of them are under $5 in cost, you not as li- much as it used to be. It's been interesting, it's been changing. Yeah. Well, good. And I think there's a reason why, because yeah. people realize yeah. if you're, if you price, right, it's the same value. Cents, it's the same value in terms of the information. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, and I'm sure you'll have plenty to say about the fact that my book that I created myself, I sell for $20.95 on Amazon. Why? Mm-hmm. Because my ideas are worth at least $20.95. Mm-hmm. I don't discount and I won't discount. And maybe I'm stupid because I don't sell as many, but I'm not doing a book to sell a ton of books. I'm doing it to unlock the credibility that a book can do. Okay. I'm doing it as part of a, a multi-pronged strategy based around my tentpole concept of nonfiction branding, which this podcast is one of the mm-hmm. elements thereof. And I'm doing it so that I have a cost me, call it $5 a copy. It's a $5 brochure that I give to people. The second they get it, they perceive tremendous value. And then it resides on their desk or on their bookshelf or on their sideboard forever. It's a constant reminder of me so much so that my photo's on the cover. Am I a raging narcissist? I don't think so. But I am taking advantage of that thing that I've created to package myself. I use the term packaging a lot when it comes to personal branding because the original concept as developed by Tom Peters in uh, 1998 was the idea that Personal brands should package themselves like packaged goods do. You should literally have, call it physical bounds of your packaging, and a book allows you to do that. So mm-hmm. I know some of the offerings that you provide are packaged services to get people fast-tracked into creating books. Do you want to talk yes. about some of your offerings? 
Yeah, I used to do, we would do editing and then we, we could do formatting and we could do ebook covers and book covers and that kind of thing. And you could piecemeal it. And what I found was that it was very frustrating for me because I could see that if you had one piece of it that was done really well, but you had other pieces of it that weren't done well, you still were not going to get the value of it of as good as it could be, first of all. And second of all, it was a lot more work for me to end up with them getting a lesser, a lesser product. So I finally got to the point where I said to myself, this doesn't work for me. And it's certainly not working for my potential clients. And so we're not doing this anymore. And so that's when we started doing the publishing package. I find that is something that is so difficult for people. They'll go and they'll say, oh, what do I need now? Oh, I need an editor. And then they'll go looking for an editor. And I can't tell you how many people have come to me. They go, oh, I already had my book edited. And I take one look at it. And I used to be a copy editor for magazines. So I know what I'm looking at. And, and it's terrible. It's, just, it's terrible. And then they don't want to spend the money because they already spent the money. And I'm like, too bad. If you want it to be right, then you're going to have to do it again. So I would rather that people come to us and do it right the first time. And the irony of it is that really in the long run, they're going to end up spending a lot less money because they're getting it all done first. I've had people come where they try to do their own formatting. And then we not only have to format it, but before we can format it, we have to strip it of what they already did to then do it. There are just a lot of things that authors don't know how to do. And it's technical and there's strategy and there's so much involved and people go, maybe it worked for you. But for a lot of authors, it's like they don't know what they're doing. They're not in branding like you are. And they end up with, they've spent all this time writing this book and it does nothing for them. And that's a huge problem. They don't even know to put a call to action at the end of the book. That's one of the first things I do with my clients is like, what's your, what do you want people to do after they read your book? They're like, oh, I hadn't thought about that. Going, well, then, you know, why are you writing the book? If this is part of your marketing, what is it for? And, and then you have to make sure that once you've got the call to action, it's like you want to write the book in a way that it is moving them towards the fact that when they get to the end to that call to action, they're ready to take it because you set it up that way. And there's strategy involved and there's, there's good copywriting involved. And then as I said, the technical things. So there's a lot involved. And I just think it's way better to have a package and unfortunately, there are too many people who don't understand the value of it. But once they try it and they mess it all up, then they either have to go spend more money or they figure out, oh, next time I'll do it that way. So my message is to get people to do it right the first time. So that, that's the whole thing with the publishing. Oh, and also when you set up the publishing right, you're really setting, there's three pieces. When you write the book the right way, when you publish it the right way, you're, set, you're setting it up to be a bestseller. In other words, what is a bestseller? A bestseller is a book that people want to read. So when I teach people how to write a book, we look at, okay, why are you writing the book? And who's your target market? And once you know that, what problem do you solve? What's keeping them up at night? What is it they want solved? And once you understand that, then you have a book that people want to buy if you package it. So yeah. those are the elements. You write it right, you publish it, and you make it a bestseller, but you continue to sell it and market it and you can because it's going to attract your ideal audience because you set it up that way. And it's going to do for your business what you want it to do because you set it up that way. And if you're selling anything, this is one of the issues that I was just talking about this with a client just a few days ago, where she was looking at doing retreats. And she's a capable, brilliant woman who used to have a professional career. And now she's starting a different one. And she was like, going to charge $200. I'm going, no, you're not charging $200 for this. And I said, and not only that, but what about if you pack, again, packaging, if you've got your retreat, but you've got 
and you've, she's already got her book and her book already has her framework. So why don't you create a high ticket offer that, that increases the va- that goes deeper into the same issues and things that you went into in the book. Now you've got a program and now you can charge 2,500 or 5,000 to start. And it's a whole different ball game. But a lot of people, they don't think that way. They don't value what they do enough. They don't see how to do it. And there's so many things that are involved. And a lot of times when people come to me and they, I just wrote an article on this actually today for my newsletter, but they'll come to me and they'll say one of two things, like either I want to write a book, how much is it going to cost? And then when I tell them, they're like, oh, I can't afford that. Or they come and they think, oh, I'm going to write the book and the book is going to finance my business. And I'm like, all of this depends on, you know, what, what, I mean, you still have to have a budget. You've got to be able to pay for this. You've got to have somebody to sell it to them. And there's so many things that are involved. And it's so easy for me because I know all the pieces. But if I go to somebody else with something else that I don't know, then I don't know what I don't know. And I hire coaches because I've learned the hard way. When I started my podcast, oh my God, it was a nightmare. I had a coach and he said, oh, it's easy. Just start a podcast. And I went and I decided, I didn't even decide. He told me what to do it on. And I started to make the cover and got the whole thing going. And I was like, oh, I don't want to do this. My heart's not in it. When I look back now, the cover was terrible. I mean, everything was wrong. It just didn't feel right. And I had nobody helping me. And at that point, funds were a little tight. And I was like, I I couldn't hire anybody to help me. So I just had to do it myself. And I ended up wasting nine months. I just wasted it because I just had to learn everything the hard way. And so after that, I dumped the whole thing and I started over and I did it the way I wanted to do it. And as you and I were talking before we started this, I've been doing it for two years and it's a commitment and I love it. I absolutely love it. But I only love it because I followed my own heart, but it also taught me a big lesson. I will not do anything without a coach. There you go. And well, Ellen is a book coach and uh, publishing consultant, I guess I'd call you. Her company name is Books Open Doors, which is at booksopendoors.com. You just mentioned the fact that you're writing an article for your newsletter. How can listeners get that newsletter? They can go to my website. And right now we have a toolkit. It's called the Rockstar Authors Toolkit. And you'll get my Rapid Book Creation Secrets Checklist. You'll get my Secret Title Formula Checklist. You'll get my Kindle Planner and you'll get my 21 Simple Strategies to Jumpstart Your Book Marketing Online Checklist. So you get all four checklists, and then you get on the newsletter. There you go. I think there's a ton of value staring you right in the face, nonfiction branders. Get on over to booksopendoors.com and definitely sign up for that stuff. If you're at all interested in writing a book, and by the way, if you have more than five years in the saddle at whatever you're doing, you should be thinking about a book that you're going to be writing sometime soon. Absolutely. It might take you 10 years after that five years in, then you'll have some incredible experience to share with your audience. And uh, you'll definitely want to memorialize your words because as Ellen said, with her medical issues, you can't take tomorrow for granted because tomorrow is actually today. So get off your butt and start doing something and unlock (laughs) the power of writing a book. I want to thank Ellen for being on this week's episode of the podcast, but don't worry, she's back in in next week's episode as well. And we'll be talking more about not only Books Open Doors, but also Ellen, the personal brand, if you will. Ellen, how can people get in contact with you via digital sources? We already talked about your website. Is there a social media channel that you prefer? Yeah, I have a Facebook group. 
It's facebook.com forward slash group forward slash books open doors. All right. Definitely check that out as well. That's it for this episode of the Nonfiction Brand Podcast. I am your host, DP Knuton. I would love for you to like, subscribe, refer this podcast, and can you do me a real solid and review it wherever you get your fun podcasts for free? Because that helps other people find it. And she is Ellen Violette. And we'll be talking at you again next week. Bye bye.